Welcome to Juris Fiction. My name is Nima Ashtiani. My name is Adam Kirshner, and I'm going to try to get this uh, correct this time. <laughs> Juris Fiction is a podcast about Law and Order, or the lack thereof. Mostly the lack thereof in these movies that we're going to discuss today. In fictional TV shows, movies, and music. Did you get that wrong last time? I got it wrong a couple of times. <laughs> now, which one came out first, Deadpool or or Solo? Deadpool came out first, right? It was one week earlier, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, Solo came out. And apparently it didn't do so well, at least compared to other Star Wars movies. I've read that there is some sort of boycott organized, depending on where you read about it, with varying levels of you know cohesiveness and that people are deliberately not watching solo in part in retaliation to the last jedi which makes no sense to me right boycott the dvd release and the blu-ray release of the last jedi if you want to boycott the last jedi like don't yeah i mean if the thing is you want to show them like hey you did a good job with this movie and that's more like what it should be like so let's pump a lot of money into that one and not put so much money into the one that wasn't good. Yeah, I really don't understand that. I think The Last Jedi is coming out on Netflix this month? Yeah, sometime in June, I think. I'm going to try to bite the bullet and actually watch it a second time, like I said I was going to do months and months and months ago when <laughs> when it was actually out in the theater, which I never did. Yeah, I'll give it a, a second viewing, but I don't expect my my opinion to change that much. I just think it was poorly written, and then many things, you know, suffer as a result of just it not being conceived correctly. Who knows? Maybe maybe there's going to be a different experience watching it uh, at home than watching it in the theater, where usually it's the opposite experience. Sometimes it's like a better experience to watch something in a theater. But did you did you enjoy Solo? Oh, I love Solo. I thought it was the third best Star Wars movie out of the, I guess, ten that there are at this point. I thought it was better than The Last Jedi. I thought it was better than uh, The Force Awakens. Mm. But not better than Rogue One. I, I still prefer Rogue One. How far apart are the two in your mind? So I'm guessing Rogue One is number two. So it's Empire, Rogue One, Solo, right? Yeah. All right. How far is Solo from Rogue One? You know, as I watched it, I kept trying to, you know, like decide which one do I prefer more. So we get a lot of, like, space. We get a lot of, like, the beauty yeah. and the danger yeah. and the mystery of space in Solo. And so I really appreciate that. But I think Rogue One just balanced setting better uh, in, in breadth. And it was more vivid, I think, uh, in specifics. So I I don't know where I place Solo. But if it were to be in third place, it would be a distant third place. But I, I don't know what I would put under it. I'm not really sure what I would put over it, except for Empire and Rogue One. Um, but why don't we do one at a time? Why don't we start with Deadpool 2? Okay. Because most people seem to uh, enjoy it more. Right. So, let's see. Where does Deadpool 2 pick up? Oh, by the way, this is going to be filled with lots of spoilers. So, there's one major difference between uh, Deadpool 2 and Deadpool. There actually are law enforcement agents in this universe. So, they, the X-Men showed up with Deadpool as a trainee, and they were supposed to de-escalate the situation and uh, get Russell Firefist under control. But instead, Deadpool killed civilians. A lot of civilians. A lot of civilians. Although he was doing a good job for a minute, right? Like, he did kind of de-escalate everything, and then... And then he went a you know, couple steps further and killed lots of civilians whenever it wasn't necessary to do so. 
Yeah, he kind of missed a couple steps in the middle there, but yeah. But in his head, he was justifying it because he was protecting the kid that's been abused by these people. But nonetheless, he kills like a bunch of orderlies. And then they end up having to tackle him and put a collar on him as well. And so Deadpool's uh, power comes from some sort of like hyper response to cancer. I believe so. It's, I mean, it's like healing, but it's like healing because his cancer cells keep regenerating and his whole body's effectively cancer, I guess. So when they put the collar on, you know, he suddenly succumbs to aggressive cancer. Yeah. All over. (laughs) Um, He's effectively a walking tumor. So he, uh, he starts getting very ill and. So unlike other mutants, right? Where you put the collar on this, this power suppressing collar. Yes. Russell can't burn things anymore, right? He turns right. into a healthy, generally healthy human being with possibly, you know, some psychological problems, but at least he can't physically use these superpowers. But in contrast, Deadpool, when you put the collar, the power suppressing uh, collar on Deadpool, right? he turns into a, t- a terminally ill person, right? He, it substantially reduces his, his, his liveliness, I guess. Yeah, and so... His vital statistics... A couple questions came up in my head when I was watching this. I don't know if you had the same questions that came up. But the first question has to do with Deadpool going on a massive assassination spree after he sees the burn marks on Russell's neck. For like 15 seconds. Yeah, it was. But he's good at what he does. So, you know, it doesn't take long, right? Yeah, points for efficiency. Although he missed the old guy. I feel like that should have been the easier one, but you know, it is what it is. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be much of a movie if, you know, if he, if he got the guy, (laughs) if he did what made sense. Right. So the first question I had was when Deadpool kills all the orderlies and has to be arrested for it, who should be responsible for Deadpool's acts? Right. And the reason why I raised that is because the X-Men and everyone around the X-Men all know who Deadpool is. They know what he does. They know what kind of person he is. They know his history, his violence, his propensity for killing others. In fact, in Deadpool 1, when Colossus is talking to Deadpool about the four or five moment speech that Deadpool repeats at some point, Deadpool gets bored and shoots the villain straight, straight in the head. So the question is, does anyone else bear any responsibility for Deadpool's murderous rampage against the orderlies? So what is your theory of liability? Uh, my theory is the uh, Colossus and the X-Men bear responsibility for taking in Deadpool, putting a trainee penny on him, taking responsibility for him, and then setting him out there knowing what kind of uh, person he is. So for Deadpool, what, yeah. would you tar- what would you charge Deadpool with? Murder or manslaughter? You know, that's actually a really good question because looking back on it, he – I would say manslaughter. I don't think I would, he had you know, yeah. enough time to cool down whenever he learned. That's a really good point. You know, yeah. it seems like passion provocation because he's looking at this thing and he becomes like – and he becomes enraged that this right. kid was abused. He didn't show up there to kill the orderlies, right? Right. That wasn't like part of his intent. It was – exactly. He didn't have a premeditated plan to assassinate people, although he did bring his In fact, he didn't him. even have a plan to kill Russell, right? I mean, yeah, he brought weapons, sure. He but, brought- <laughs> but his his plan was to subdue Russell. And in fact, he did that up until the point that he decided to kill people. But yeah, I don't think that you get the malice of forethought necessary for 
uh, murder because of how quickly he started killing people. But I think you definitely get manslaughter. However many orderlies or other people that he shot, I think you get that many counts of uh, manslaughter. So when a prosecutor brings these charges, I assume a prosecutor will start at... Oh, yeah, they'll start with murder. They'll start with murder. They'll dial it down. It'll be up to Deadpool and Deadpool's attorney to argue the defense of passion provocation. And I think you get it. I think I think you just point to all the facts that are you know presented there in the movie. And you're like, look, he had no idea. He didn't come there with the intent to kill anybody, uh, and he only decided to do it immediately after he saw the child abuse, right? The evidence of child abuse, uh, and he didn't have enough time to think rationally, uh, and so he doesn't have the malice of forethought necessary for for murder. I could see some issues with I could see some issues with the defense though, uh, like for example. His history, right? His whole job is to assassinate people. So that's one. But then I think you could show he was hired specifically uh, to do these, uh, to perform these murders. And he had a, you know, an, a, an arc that led directly to that. Like he set out to accomplish those assassinations. And you can distinguish that from these where nobody hired him to kill the orderlies. And he didn't go intending to kill the orderlies, right? I think he can easily... Not easily, but I think you can distinguish his assassination career, his assassin career, mm-hmm. from what I still think are manslaughters. So I I agree with you that his defense is manslaughter. I, I said particularly just because of who he is, I think that he may have some issues with it. Also, so you're going to punish him for prior crimes? Not not just prior not just prior crimes. I'm not punishing him for prior crimes. Also, the fact that he doesn't actually know the kid. So saying I was enraged because this person I don't know was injured, um, presumably by these orderlies. Well, I think the rebuttal to that though is that child abuse is so inherently reprehensible that you don't need to know the child to be motivated to prevent it with extreme uh, measures. I, I get your argument. I don't. I'm not saying it's appropriate to yeah, no. to kill people <laughs> who are who are abusing children, but I think you don't need to know the child whenever you see an abused child to want strongly uh, to prevent the harm from from happening in the, in the future. So this is where this, so. But then the the other another issue that comes up is if let's say if, when they when they well, and I, I did you think of what the name of the facility is the ice house the ice box ice box. I don't know, but I think everybody who's seen the movie knows what we're talking about, right? The the the, the, the supermax prison, the supermax prison with all the superheroes or supervillains, I guess mostly. So let me ask you this: Would it be probative if, let's say, probative? Yeah, can't wait. Would there be how about, would there be um, material value if, when they're in the supermax prison, he says to Russell, "I'm not your friend. I don't like you. I don't even know you. Stay away no, from because, me." No, because because process, right? Assuming that there was any process at all before they were locked away, deprived of, you know, their biological functions for, I don't know if there even was a definite sentence. It seemed to be for life. That's it. You're done, right? You can't use statements after he has ostensibly been convicted and sentenced and imprisoned. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. That, I didn't even think of, I didn't even think of that. You're saying that he, he's already been convicted and that's where he's staying because of, of the conviction. I assume so. I just thought that's where they were holding him, right? And they sort of like glossed over the whole process in the first place. That's a fair. There's a <laughs> so so there is a whole um uh there's a whole thing missing here, 
if he if that was in fact his his um his sentence and Russell's sentence, then there's a big issue of what the hell happened to, to yeah, it seems like there's no process for mutants in the, in this universe, which is very troubling. I just thought that that's where they were holding him because that's the only place they could hold him because of said powers. There were a lot of people there for just holding purposes. That is a an incredibly fair point. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Besides, they have the collar on, right? You can put them in a normal cell when they have the collar on for holding purposes, right? <laughs> Before they stand trial. Okay, so then let me let me qualify my statement. If he was not tried and convicted yet, then the statements in the icebox... That's fair. But you're going to need Russell to testify. You would need Russell to come in and say, he said he wasn't my friend. Yeah. And maybe Russell gets a lighter sentence if he narks on Deadpool. So anyway, I think we're going to go with manslaughter. It sounds like we're going to go with manslaughter. Maybe a little bit more, but... Uh, I I could see somewhere between second-degree murder and manslaughter. Fair. Okay, so then... Uh, you had theories of liability for Colossus and other X-Men. Yes. So if, if Deadpool only gets murder two or manslaughter, would you charge Colossus with murder two or manslaughter? Because he didn't kill anybody. He didn't. He, um, although he did see that uh, Deadpool brought a gun with him. And again, he knew Deadpool's history. Do you criminally charge someone that you hire to do an inherently dangerous thing? But they were there ostensibly to... To defuse the situation, right? right. Um, well... Right, murder wasn't within the scope of employment. It could have been. If things, if things, if things escalated, if things escalated, it might have been part of the thing like, okay, you know, this kid's dangerous and we have to, uh, we have to put him down now, right? But, but I think it would be limited to the target. It would be limited to the target. Yeah. So I would say maybe not criminally liable, but probably civilly liable. Negligent negligent hiring, right? They know his history. They know who he is. They still gave him weapons and brought him to a situation where said weapons are in are in his hand and be ready to be used. I'll give you negligent hiring. That yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, also, Deadpool himself said he was not ready. Right? Mm-hmm. He said, "I don't. I don't think I'm ready to do this because he was still upset over the over the death of his fiance, girlfriend, woman whom he was to have a baby with. Uh, so Colossus dragged him onto the field and forced him to to go in there and. Not be himself. So remember, we're only here to uh, handle the situation as in, in a calm fashion. So what about vicarious liability for wrongful death? Colossus has charges. He has, a, um, by charges, I mean those that are beneath him in the pecking order that he trains. Oh, I thought you meant like the ability to run around at, at things. Like a rhinoceros. <laughs> he has charges. In other words, there's a complaint filed against him, a uh, criminal complaint filed against him. Um, so I could see apparent authority. Yeah. I think you get him on apparent authority, uh, for negligent hiring and for vicarious liability, um, for wrongful, wrongful wrongful deaths. Yeah. But does that, does that go to Colossus individually or does that go right back to the X-Men? No, because he would say I'm, uh, you know, acting under the auspices of the school. Right. I'm just the instrument of the school. I think he could raise that, but he would need to prove 
right, that the school either expressly directed him to train Deadpool mm-hmm. in general, regardless if you can, you know, get to the specifics of like, no, take Deadpool to Russell. And in the absence of that, I think you could show, I think Colossus could show that there had been a pattern or practice of him training other trainees in circumstances like this. But without those, I think the school could easily say, look, no, we didn't authorize him to take that crazy assassin to de-escalate this situation. Yeah. The only thing is, I think the families of the orderlies that would be bringing suit would be like, so let me get this straight. You give this guy the keys. Yeah, they want the deep pockets. They want to yeah. go for the school. I, I think I think you I think you get the school on apparent authority. So I I I mean maybe they have some sort of indemnity clause against uh, Colossus, <laughs> but he doesn't seem like he has very deep pockets or pockets in general. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he has no pockets. So um, I guess uh I guess uh Xavier is paying out. I guess that that they're gonna have to sell that school and uh, pay out some families. Although it seems like he has a lot of money, so I guess he could just pay them <laughs> directly. But I, I think he gets the. I think uh, the families win that that suit against the X Men because of Colossus. In fact, most of this is Colossus's fault if you think about it. Or Russell's, but I mean, yeah, that's... <laughs> um, yeah, that's a fair point. But Deadpool would not have gone to Russell but for Colossus. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about Colossus, the X Men. We talked about um, their liabilities, Deadpool's liability, criminal and civil. I guess. And then we talked about the Essex House and the Icebox. Did we cover everything? Uh, at least about that portion? So I had questions about Domino. Yes. I enjoyed Domino while I watched the movie. But then whenever I thought about the character, mm-hmm. I found problems. What? So Domino's ability, right? It seemed like they were just spoofing... Uh, Infinity War, because like they, they recruited a bunch of like superheroes, many of whom, you know, you have no idea who they are, and then they immediately kill them off, right? It felt to me like, you know, like a dig on Infinity War, just like, oh, look at all the superheroes we have who are going to die. <laughs> I got that impression, too. I thought that was part of the appeal. Yeah, so her her ability is luck, and in her interview, her recruiting interview, there's a lot of back and forth. It was it was a funny moment in the movie. Deadpool uh, keeps denying that luck is a superpower, and she keeps insisting that luck is a superpower. So let's start with, is luck a superpower? Um, so, uh, you and I were discussing this uh, before we started recording, I think, but I actually I uh, saw something like, um, like a video or something that explains Domino's powers. Okay. And... I did not know this before until I saw this video. So, and I cannot even say if this is true or not, but go with me on this. Apparently, her superpower is something like telekinesis, but she can't control it. It's something like it, it controls things around her or moves things in such a way that benefits her for her safety. It's subconscious telekinesis. Something like that, yeah. I think it needs more than telekinesis, though, right? Like you have to be aware of something coming you know, towards you at a rapid speed to know that you need to telekinetically alter its course. And how would you, how would you see or otherwise sense it? Right. Cause they're driving around in the, uh, she's driving some large transport. Yes. And she like leaves the, the driver's seat and comes to the back. She's not even looking at the road. Right. 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 So how could she, you know, see anything to know that she would need to use her telekinesis. 
I'm calling shenanigans on whatever that video is. I think that's garbage. <laughs> she does not have telekinesis. I don't suppose we could go with the explanation of a wizard did it. <laughs> no, that's garbage. <laughs> uh, so, so first of all, what are superpowers? They are apparently there's no like one definition because uh, it, it, depending on the origin story, it's one of a couple of things. It's either an individual's exaggeration of normal abilities, mm-hmm. like strength or speed. Typically, people have some level of strength or some level of speed, and a superpower would just be strength beyond the ordinary range of strength or speed beyond the ordinary range of speed. Right. Uh, particularly to that species, right? So like a cheetah, which by the way can only run around 60 miles an hour, not 70 miles an hour like people you know normally say. <laughs> that wouldn't be a superpower compared to a human because they aren't in the same species. That's fair. Right. So, so there's, I mean, that's, that's one theory. And then the other one is uh, physical and mental abilities that are inconsistent with biology or physics for individuals local to an area. So it could be an ability that people don't ordinarily have, right? Like the ability to fly. Can you not fly? Is that what you're trying to say? I can't fly. Can you fly? Everyone in New Jersey can fly. I mean, with your own body, without using technology. <laughs> right? Biology and physics rule out humans flying without using technology. So for a human to be able to do that, that would be a superpower. Right. So what about luck? What is luck? Um, It's an experience of notably positive or negative events, right? If you have many notable positive events, you're lucky. If you have many notable negative events, you're unlucky, right? That sounds about right. Right. Like if every time, every time you put on pants, you find a hundred dollar bill in it and you have no idea Ooh. how it got there. Right. <laughs> you didn't steal it, but there you are a hundred dollars richer just because you put on clothes. What if it's the same hundred dollars over and over again? And you well, just no, because you, you take it and deposit in the bank. Right. And then like the next day you put on a different pair of pants and like you have no idea where this hundred dollar bill came from, but there's another one. If you, if that happens enough times. It would be many notable positive events, and then you could say, well, look, this guy's lucky. Every time he puts on a new pair of pants, $100 in it. <laughs> that, is, that, is a, that is a decent power to have. But is it a superpower? Uh, well, kind of based on the definition that you gave, it is something that no one else seems to have the ability to do. So are you going with uh, definition B? I am going with definition B. So how is it biological or physical? Um, <laughs> that is right? a- you don't do anything. The dollar is in those pants. You didn't put it there. Okay, well then, uh, may, I, uh, may I introduce a, a side question? Sure. Iron Man is a guy with a suit, right? With um, technology. Before you go too far, I don't like Iron Man. So I mean, this is you're treading on uh, hostile territory. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I will say aside from Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Iron Man, I am not a fan of Iron Man. I don't particularly care. Yeah. But my, my purpose is he's just a guy who happens to be incredibly wealthy and builds himself a suit that has abilities in it. So like shooting things, flying, rockets. Mm-hmm. Is he a superhero? No. Iron Man is not a superhero. 
He's a vigilante <laughs> with a well-funded <laughs> weapon program. Fair enough. Then by that definition, your $100 uh, pants guy is not a superhero. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, look, Domino's luck is not a superpower. Yeah, she's really lucky. Yeah, that makes her a really cool character. But she's not, she doesn't have a superpower. So Deadpool is right whenever he says that luck is not a superpower. I'm not, I'm not hating on her luck. I'm just <laughs> saying Deadpool's right. Luck is not a superpower. <laughs> I, you know, that's fair. But that's not the end of my problems with Domino, which again, like I like <laughs> until I think about it. And then like it's, I call it shenanigans. Go on. <laughs> so we go through the movie and she's like, yeah, I don't know why I'm supposed to be with you, but I'll figure it out eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. She says that to Deadpool. Right. And eventually they return to the Essex house, right? This place where uh, children with superpowers, and by the way, she doesn't have one, uh, were abused to try to prevent them from developing their powers. Right. And she remembers that she was abused there. Regardless of whether luck is a superpower, it isn't. But regardless, even assuming that it is. If Domino's power is luck, why would she be abused? Put it differently. How would her power allow her to be abused? Uh, perhaps she was less abused than she would have been, but for her powers? Oh, so, yeah, she would have been more abused unless she went to the Essex house. And then, like, she was, you know, less abused there than she would have been across the street. Uh. No, that's, that's garbage. That's, that, that's a bad thing. <laughs> Does luck increase with age, right? Did she just have, like, a little bit of luck? And then, like, every day, like, it's, like, compound luck. It's, like, you have... Then you have two times luck, then you have like four times luck, and then you have like 16 times luck. Is that how that works? If you remember from the original Deadpool movie, his powers did not come out until he um, had some sort of extreme stress. And I think they said something like, uh, um, like, if you have your powers at a young age, when you go through puberty, you can get it at that point. Maybe her powers did not manifest until she was older. So if she didn't have manifested powers, why was she in the Essex house? That is a wonderful question that completely obliterates my argument. It is internally inconsistent. <laughs> right? And under this theory, it's like, ooh, we determined that she has the superpower, which, by the way, it isn't, of luck. And so now we need to put her in the Essex house and abuse her to prevent her from being lucky. But fun fact, if she were lucky, she, she would have, have evaded yes. the entire Essex house and would never have been abused. I call it shenanigans. I enjoyed it, but... Everything about Domino is garbage. <laughs> but she was an enjoyable character. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed watching it. But then when I stopped watching it and thought about it, like, no. Doesn't work. And you're still not buying the whole uh, subconscious telekinesis? No, because she doesn't even look at things. <laughs> How would you know you need to you know, control that thing? You need more than telekinesis for for this theory of luck through telekinesis yeah right you'd, you'd have to be basically god right you'd have to like know and see all things subconsciously and then be able to control them that that is inconsistent with what we saw you know i uh, i can't argue <laughs> i have nothing left i tried i tried i enjoyed the first one much more than i enjoyed the second one especially when i thought about it but so was it like – was it that kind of inconsistency that made you enjoy Deadpool 2 less? Like if Domino was not in the movie, would you say, all right, you know, this one is a little bit better? You know, I, I went in 
hoping it would be better. And I really enjoyed the constant lampooning of superhero movies. Because if you can't tell, I tend to dislike them. Yes. <laughs> but when it itself was hypocritical, Deadpool 2, the movie itself, was mm-hmm. hypocritical. When it paused from lampooning superhero movies and then exhibited superhero movie traits, right? Everybody interacts with each other by trying to smash each other, right? Or buildings or vehicles, right? Like, there were very few rational interactions between superheroes. One of the things that I liked about Deadpool was they kept it fairly simple. It wasn't like, check out how many more mutants we can, like, show up in this movie. But I thought that was part of the joke, right? I thought part of the joke was how much stuff, like, like cramming these all these mutants in there specifically for the purpose of like making fun of other superhero movies that have done a similar thing. And so I think I think for me at least it stopped being funny when they got to that point because I that gotcha. is exactly my problem with superhero movies is it, like when you when you reach that ludicrous level, yeah. it's unenjoyable, and that's why I didn't enjoy those moments. That makes sense. I I get your point. I enjoyed it, right? I enjoyed it probably as much as the first one. Probably. Because I just thought that that was kind of the idea. Like, get it? We're doing a huge team-up thing because everyone's doing huge team-up things. And the inconsistencies, I just thought, were like, well, these things have its consistencies and we're just going to run with it. Like, I thought that was part of the appeal. Oh, yeah. No, I understand that. In fact, they, they frequently, you know, like, had some get it moments, right? Where they're like, yeah, we know that this makes no sense. Yeah. But I don't know. I stopped laughing at those things, right? Whenever it, it, it actually, you know, demonstrated. And also, also the other thing is, is, and this is a problem with a lot of superhero, or maybe a lot of movies in general, when you do a sequel, is a lot of the jokes are either repeats or derivative of jokes that they've done in the first one. So, for example... Uh, in the first one where he cuts off his hand and has the little hand, right? And he's he, they, they do the yeah. jokes based on that. And in this one, he gets ripped in half, and now he has, like, the baby legs. And then he wasn't wearing pants. It was just, like, the shirt. <laughs> that that I thought was... I was like, okay, you know, it's it's kind of a derivative joke, but it's hilarious because they did something different with it. Uh, but I, that could have gone very wrong, too, right? They, that could have just been not funny because it's already been done it was funny it wasn't as funny as uh the first the movie. baby hand but i wanted more of that kind of dialogue if the movie had been more of that and less of you know superhero shtick i think i would have enjoyed it a lot more i see i gotcha well apparently they are going to have what's it called they're going to make an x-force movie so i guess the idea is they're they're moving away from deadpool as an individual to this new group so I, I guess that's kind of why they went in that direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think they could have just done that, right? I don't know if we needed Deadpool 2. I think we could have just, like... Gone straight to X-Force? Yeah. Although maybe they weren't prepared to do that whenever they finished the first one. I am under the impression that whatever comes out after this is going to be away from what Deadpool was and more towards the things that you probably don't like about superhero movies, unfortunately. <sighs> <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like <laughs> I feel like I am like the bearer of your bad news. <laughs> I'll always have the first Deadpool movie. I'll just like watch that a couple of times every year and just ignore. And it does have else. repeat. It does have repeat value. Oh, it's hilarious! Yeah, I watched it again, you know, recently, and it was 
was great. So I suppose we finished on we finished on Deadpool two. Let's talk Solo, a Star Wars story. Solo, a Star Wars story. So we were talking a little bit before. I was I was saying not my favorite. Now don't get me wrong. It was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. It kept my attention, but it was it was all right. It was like a filler. You know what I mean? It was it was an appetizer. In contrast, I loved it. I thought it was the third best Star Wars movie. I thought part of what I enjoyed so much about it was similar to part of what I enjoyed about Rogue One, was their ability to weave in characters we've already seen. But they did it in a different way. Uh, it was mostly through CGI, I think, in Rogue One, where they like pulled in Grand Moff Tarkin. Yes. Because it wasn't Peter Cushing in, in uh, Rogue One. Right. But it worked for me. Yeah. In contrast, in Solo, Alden Ehrenreich portrayed Han Solo and Donald Glover portrayed Lando Calrissian. And the way that they they acted like Harrison Ford acting like Han Solo and uh, Donald Glover acted like Billy Dee Williams acting like Lando Calrissian. I think the level of detail in their movements and their and their actions and their and their voices is part of what impressed me so much about Solo. So I'm a big fan of Donald Glover. I think pretty much everything, he's a phenomenal actor. I've never seen him in a role that I didn't think, that I thought, wow, he did a bad job. He was a spot on Lando, right? Oh, yeah. Like, Loved co- it. cocky and cool. He got the tone of voice right and, yeah, everything. Yeah, he perfect. did. He, he's a young Billy D. Williams. <laughs> but, he, but he ordinarily isn't, right? Like, that's part of what was so impressive was I've seen him in a lot of other things. And he was a completely new, new character. But simultaneously an old character, right? Like he acted like someone we had already seen and totally unlike anyone we had ever seen him act before. And I agree with you on the, I, and I, I don't remember the guy's name, the one that you just said, uh, who played um, Solo. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. I thought he did a great job. I, yeah, I haven't seen him in anything else that I'm aware of. But his, the, the pointing and the nodding and, uh, you know, the, the squinting, there was like so many little aspects of his portrayal where it's like, I know he doesn't look like Harrison Ford, but he looks like Han Solo. He looks like he's acting like Han Solo. Yeah. And he it, it, he really picked up the mannerisms that Harrison Ford put down in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought he did a really good job. The only thing I had a problem with was, like, it wasn't a bad story. It was a crime spree, basically. Oh, there were so many little things, too, right? Like, it's like, well, what do you want to do, uh, you know, when you retire? Oh, I think I'm going to start a cantina somewhere, you know, like, hot but not too hot, right? Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> that, I did laugh at that. That was pretty were, funny. It was almost a constant reference to something else in the Star Wars universe. It was very complex, very subtle. I, I thoroughly loved it. I Like I said, I enjoyed the movie. It was, unfortunately, I think part of the reason why it's hindered or why it did not do as well as the others is because maybe people are just getting Star Wars burnout. It's not so much burnout if everything that you're putting out is awesome. That, I mean, that may apply to many people, but I had the opposite effect. I did not like The Last Jedi, and so I was eager to see a new Star Wars movie with the hope to that make it would up. make me feel the same way that I felt about other recent Star Wars movies. Uh, and I would say the majority of Star Wars movies, right? The majority of them I like. Like I said, the, the ending of the movie really intrigued me because, and I, and I think I texted you after I saw it and I was like, what's the timeline of this movie? Where in the, uh, where in all the movies does this one fit in? Like, and you explained to me that this is 12 years before Rogue One. I had to look it up because I didn't know the, the, the answer off the top of my head. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think it's like 12 years before 
Rogue One because Rogue One is immediately before A New Hope. And just based on like the ages of people, Chewbacca was, I think, what, 180 during the Clone Wars? And he was 190 in Solo. And so like people did the math and they're like, oh, well, you know, this must have been like 12 years before A New Hope. Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. And the reason I got confused and, and massive spoiler alert, as we've been alerting all episode, at the end of it, it turns out that Darth Maul is alive and ahead of a crime syndicate. So that's why I got confused because when I first saw that, I'm like, wait a minute, is, is this prior to episode one? So you can tell that neither of us watched the Clone Wars or Rebels animated series, at least yet. <laughs> I'll probably watch Rebels. But apparently through those, they they show that Darth Maul survived Phantom Menace and he had a couple of replacement legs. That makes sense. <laughs> and so that's how he got so far in his life. So we have to watch what, which one, Clone Wars, or Clone Wars, Rebels, or both? Uh, well, both if you want to get like all of it. I've read uh, he shows up in, in both of them. Okay. Although I hear that Rebels is much better than Clone Wars. Okay, that's fair. So in watching the movie, did you find any, any, any issues that came up? Yeah, I mean, we can skip some of the, the how did Han Solo become Han, quote, Solo. How did he meet Chewbacca? How did he meet Lando? Why the Millennium Falcon is such a great spacecraft? Just watch the movie. You'll, you'll get it. We can just skip to uh, the, the potential legal problem. And that is uh, on, the, on the outline. That's number two, right? Yeah. Okay, just checking. All right. So in The Empire Strikes Back, yeah. Han Solo with Leia Organa, C-3PO and Chewbacca are evading the Empire. They go to Cloud City. Han tells them, don't worry, I know Lando Calrissian. We go way back. He'll help us out. They land, they meet Lando, and Lando accuses Han of uh, stealing his ship from him, the Millennium Falcon. Right. And Han says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've won the Millennium Falcon fair and square. She's my ship. And so one of the, I guess, recurring elements in Solo is, well, how did Han win the Millennium Falcon? Because it seemed like it was Lando's ship. So they play a couple of long games of Sabacc, which is this card game. I looked it up on Wikipedia. It looks really interesting. And fun fact, Sabacc was not copyrighted by George Lucas or, or LucasArts. And so other people like filed the copyright and there actually is a Sabacc game and it's not owned by the same people who own like most of the other merchandise for Star Wars. Oh, so I wonder when they made this movie, did they have to like pay for rights to use the name? I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, so how, how it's played, two to eight players including a dealer, right? You can mm-hmm. either have like a permanent dealer or like, you know, like poker where it like kind of like floats around. And the cards have positive and negative values. So it's kind of a math game. The object is to complete a hand closest to either positive or negative 23. So not quite blackjack. <laughs> uh, but not further from zero, right? So like 24 or negative 24, right? Would not, you can't like have like one more than oh, so it, but you can have one less than. Like Blackjack, you can't go over, but the closest to 23 without going over or, I guess, in the negative sense, under. Yeah. Okay, got it. But there's a there's a trump hand called the Idiot's Array, which consists of a card called the Idiot and another card that's worth two points and another card that's worth three points. So it's like a two and a three instead of 23. So basically, if you get five with a two and a three, 
Mm-hmm. That's actually better than the otherwise perfect uh, Sabak hand uh, totaling 23. Because it makes 23 because you have a 2 and a 3? Yeah, like I don't know why or how like, <laughs> that like, rule like, came up, but apparently that's a thing. Or, like, right. If you have a, bad, uh, a, a hand that's so bad, it it's more efficient than having a good hand, I guess, is the rationale. So there is a holographic version of Sabak. And I've seen like, nerds on the internet complain, like, oh, no, Sabak isn't a card game. It's a holograph. No, actually, it originally was a, was a card game. A hut created a holo, uh, holo Sabak, ostensibly to prevent cheating with physical cards. But guess what? You can Haxor hollow Sabaxor. <laughs> and so you can cheat there, too, right? So like, it's not like a holographic Sabak is any better than Sabak. And I assume, I assume if you play people who uh, play sub, the hologram Sabak, uh, they talk about how you are a noob. <laughs> yeah, there's is a that, lot of that. N double zero B, is that how that works? That is exactly how it works. So uh, speaking of people who cheat in Sabak, <laughs> Lando Calrissian cheats a lot in Sabak. He's got this like device under his sleeve with uh, you know a few choice cards that he can like exchange with cards in his hand. To, to win, to create a winning hand. Right. Like uh, like the old Western movie Maverick. Like Maverick, yeah. Right. That is decidedly not fair and square, right? That is not fair and square. That is, in fact, cheating and not okay. And that's how Lando beat Han the first time they played games. Played Sabacc. Yeah. And uh, didn't, is that, is that um, the game where Han said he had this wonderful ship that he could put on the line and didn't have it? Or was that later? That was the first one, yeah. So, like, Han's like, yeah, no, I'm going to bet my ship, which doesn't exist, <laughs> which induced Lando to bet his ship, which did exist. Right? So, like, Han was trying to, like, trick Lando into wagering the ship so they wouldn't have to buy it, right? They'd walk away with all of Lando's money and his ship, right? But Lando cheated. He did not play fair and square. He won the hand. He, he kept all the money, and he kept the ship. So Tobias Beckett talked Lando into joining their coaxium heist. And so they got to use his ship anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so they complete the Kessel Run in slightly more than 12, but if you round down, 12 parsecs. Which, which by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but in the, in the older movies, uh, they say that uh, he did the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. Yeah, depending on where you, uh, you know, get the information, it changes. In some of the books I, I've gathered, it's, yeah, not, it's it's disproven to be less than 12 in some of the books. Yeah, it seems like uh, as Han gets older, his rounding continuously goes down. Yeah, first he rounds down to 12, and then he rounds under 12. <laughs> pretty soon he'll, pretty soon he'll have done it in zero parsecs. Yeah. So, and like we theorized in an earlier episode, right, the way that this makes sense, because parsecs is a... A measure of distance, not a measure yeah. of time. Right. It's, yeah, if you can, like, map the way from Kessel to a safe location through this complex, like, nebula and other, you know, celestial phenomena. Right. You can travel faster and therefore you have more time to get this highly unstable coaxium to a refining uh, facility. So it's particularly imp- impressive to do it in, in less than 20 parsecs. Now, it's my understanding that they use the coaxium for cable TV. Is that right? The coaxial cable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and internet before, you know, before we had uh, fires. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, this was, the, uh, this was the, their interwebs? Yeah, after, after dial-up modems. <laughs> and cable modems. 
so they play a second game after the after the Kessel Run. Han just destroys the Millennium Falcon. Lando is very upset. He drives off in a huff right when Han when uh, Han is bluffing that there were more mercenaries aboard. But Han drags him down because he really wants the ship, I guess, right? So he can fly with Chewie. Right. They play another game. But Han wises up. He notices that Lando has this this rig for cheating. So Han steals the cards from Lando. The ones in his sleeve. The ones in his sleeve. Right. And then they play. Lando does not have the cards to use. And Han beats Lando. And he gets the Millennium Falcon then. Like he, he tricks Lando into betting the Millennium Falcon and wins. Was that fair and square? Uh, yes, it was. Interesting. <laughs> Let's take this one step at a time. First of all, is theft in general fair and square? No, theft in general is not fair and square. What about if you steal certain objects before you engage in a separate activity that could have involved those objects? Mm-hmm. Is that fair and square? Um, were those objects permitted to be used in said activity? So you're jumping to the third part. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, the, the, the answer is just because something someone is going to use something in a thing doesn't mean that it, the, the fair and square part of that it can't be answered because is it supposed to be there, right? right? Like if you're playing a soccer game and I and you intend on driving your car on the field. <laughs> but you take I, the keys. <laughs> but I take your keys. Um, you know, fair and square. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you don't drive away with the car, it's conversion and not like Grand Theft Auto. Right. <laughs> But yeah, right. Okay, so so we can just give ahead. It would not have been fair and square for Lando to have used those cards. Right. So is stealing the improper cards fair and square? Uh, for the purpose of the game, yes. For the purpose of law, no. Right, but well, before we play the game, right? Yeah. So Han knows how they're going to be used, or he believes he knows how they're going to be used. Right. And he steals them so that they cannot be used that way. Yes. Is that fair and square if they don't actually play the game? Um, because they've yet to do so. Is it fair and square? Uh, morally, yes. Because <laughs> if <laughs> if Lando's going to play anybody and use those impermissible cards... I like um, it. I like, I like the argument. Then, uh, then uh, Han has technically made every game that Lando plays from there on out fair and square, at least from Lando's perspective. Morally speaking, right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's better to prevent Lando from cheating other people. Right. That's an interesting argument. But legally, is it fair and square? Uh, those are his cards. Those are his cards. He, uh, Han stole his cards, so he, he committed theft. Larceny. So, so far... Although it may have been morally fair and square, it's not legally fair and square. It is not legally fair and square, right? So then they play the game, right? Mm-hmm. Before the game, Han unfairly and unsquarely stole Lando's cards. Mm-hmm. And then they're playing the game, a new new activity, right? Mm-hmm. Han just plays his hands, Lando plays his hands, and he goes and he reaches for his, you know, his trump card. And it's not there. And he he uh, 
overextended himself. He bet the Millennium Falcon, thinking that he would have the trump card, but he doesn't, and he loses. Was the right. game itself fair and square? Uh, yes, it was, because they played it exactly the way it was intended to be played. What Lando was attempting to do was add extraneous factors that are impermissible to the game in order to influence the outcome of the game, which did not, inc- which were not permitted within the rules. He was trying to swap out his cards. So more importantly than Han playing it fairly and squarely, regardless of unfairly and unsquarely stealing Liam's cards before they played the game, Han prevented Lando from unfairly and unsquarely playing Sabacc. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much that Han cheated, he prevented Lando from cheating. And that's why Lando's upset. Right. And harbors the grudge. Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, so Han- Lando actually has no gripe. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I have no sympathy. I mean, don't get me wrong. He is suave and he is cool. I have no sympathy for him. He he has been cheating people for for years, trying to lead people to believe that he's an excellent, excellent Sabak player, and it turns out he's just an excellent cheater. So shame on him. I agree. Han fairly and squarely won the Millennium Falcon, although he did steal some of uh, Lando's very low-valued cards because it's just worth the paper, right? That they're that they're printed on. Technically, Lando can get in trouble, get in legal trouble for cheating at the game. By the other players, they can they can sue him. They could sue him. You're going to sue him for fraud. For fraud, yeah. But how are you going to like? How do you know if or when he actually used them? Other than the the one hand where Han said, "Look, I was counting the cards. There's no way he had that one, right?" I think you could extrapolate. Look, as far but as far as that one game goes, I think you can go beyond the hand and say that there was an unfair influence over the game. Uh, so maybe you could push it back and say, well, uh, everyone that played with him in that particular game was cheated. But what if that was the first one he played? I, I, I'm trying to remember. I could, I could swear that there's something that's like, if you can show that they did it this, like, uh, that they committed some sort of fraud, like this time you can extrapolate it to show that they did it these other times, and, and it actually puts the onus on them to show that they didn't. But we know he only had three cards, right? Had three cards in his hand or had three cards in his sleeve? In his sleeve. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I just thought it was a holder that had cards in it. I don't know why I think so specifically that there were only three cards there, but I think I saw right that like it, it was designed to display three cards. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's not like he had like a whole like hand, like a sabak deck <laughs> hidden under his sleeve, right? Like he could only use it so many times. That's a fair point, <laughs> right? So like for everybody else to like sue him for fraud for like however many hands they played, if they played more than three hands, I'm pretty sure one of those he didn't cheat anybody. But I think the I think the onus would be I think they would shift the burden to him. I think the burden would be shifted to him to show which hand he did not cheat on. <laughs> He wouldn't be entitled to the presumption of lawfulness? Uh, no. His defense is, I didn't, I didn't cheat, right? Wouldn't the burden be on the person claiming that he cheated to show that he cheated? So, y- yes, except I think you have, I think there's, you have a basis for enough circumstantial evidence to show he cheated with this hand because he had a device that held cards in it. Well, what if he says, yeah, the first time I ever tried to use that? Was the time that Han caught me using it? That would be his defense to it. Prove that I ever wore it or used it in any other game. Oh, uh, I was, well, I'm starting with just that one game, right? Just the one game where it was shown that he used it, all the other hands in that game. 
As far as other games go... But Han didn't know that he used it then. It wasn't until the second time they played, after the Kessel Run, that he even saw the apparatus. He just knew, because he counted cards, that one of the cards that uh, Lando played could not have you know, been in the, in the game at that point. Right, which could be his argument for that hand in that previous game. But he didn't see the device. He didn't see the device. Put the burden on... The other side, yeah. The other side, to prove that he necessarily possessed it. Right, if you can show that this is a relatively common thing that was available where Lando was after Kessel, mm-hmm. then the burden is, is on uh, the, the plaintiffs to show that he necessarily was in possession of it prior to the time Han saw him possessing it. That's an interesting defense. Right? It was my first time, and I never actually used it because Han caught me before I could use it. Ah. Uh, it's a good defense. I think that still falls under a how, how do the fact finders find you know how do the fact finders take that testimony? If I'm a fact finder mm-hmm. and either Donald Glover or Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian <laughs> is testifying, I think it's highly likely I'm going to be persuaded by uh, Donald Glover or Billy D. Williams. Your Honor, I ask that he be struck as a juror. He is clearly biased. <laughs> they are smooth criminals. <laughs> Or one, right? They they are one and the same, a smooth criminal. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think you're onto something. Lando Calrissian is a smooth criminal. Lando Calrissian and Billy D. Williams were the two people in the apartment in Smooth Criminal. They were both smooth criminals. I'm just saying he's he's smooth, he's convincing. And he's a criminal. <laughs> and he's a criminal. You, you admitted he's a smooth criminal. <laughs> he is a smooth criminal. I don't think I don't think that we have enough facts other than Han observing it before playing Sabak after the Kessel Run to know how many other times, if any other times, Lando used it. I I agree that there are problems with the other t- with the other games. I still think um, there's an argument saying, "Hey, we found this device, and you would have enough for a claim to go forward." Right? I can see that there would be some issues. However, if if the other Sabak players are like, "Oh yeah, there could only be." 10 of these cards and I had four of them and that guy and another guy says, well, I had three of them. And another guy says, I had three of them. Well, could he have had one too? Could uh, Lando have had one too? Absolutely not. I really don't think that the, uh, that most of the other players were good enough players to even remember <laughs> what they had, <laughs> which just goes to show how great Lando and Han are. At playing <laughs> I think they're extraordinary Sabak players. I think very little of the other people that were playing Sabak. Would it make more sense if they are, in fact, excellent players, but Lando and Han are still just head and shoulders above them? I mean, I want to believe that because it just makes <laughs> Han and Lando that much better. But the other yeah. players were losing. <laughs> they, they had nothing. That's fair. So I, I disagree with you on Lando's liability on the game. I still think you may have enough to move forward with it. Yeah, sure, there are defenses. There may be some problems. Uh, at the end of the day, I think it's 50-50 in the hands of a jury. Yeah, sure. <laughs> reasonable reasonable people may disagree, even in a galaxy far, far away. True story. Was that the last thing that you had? Yeah, that was that was our short version of uh, okay. Solo. But when, when you watch the movie, there are plenty of other issues, like straight off at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah, there were constant thefts. <laughs> and then, like, I botched this one theft for you, so let me make it up for you by stealing something else from somebody else. Right? Like, it was lots of thievery. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, we are on social media. 
Instagram and Facebook, Juris Fiction, J-U-R-I-S-F-I-C-T-I-O-N. Uh, Twitter, at Juris Fiction 1. Uh, please feel free to leave us comments, concerns, questions, any of the legal issues, any of the topics you'd like us to talk about. Subscribe, follow, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, be our friend, be our guest. Let us know what you thought about our analysis, uh, if you agree or disagree. If you played Sabak and you played against Lando Calrissian, mm-hmm. if you observed him cheating, please let us know. We, we're looking for more evidence. If you have extraordinary luck, do you believe in superpowers? <laughs> That's, right. That's right. And also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Um, we may be moving to more more things that it could be on, I guess, um, soon. So keep an ear out for that. And Adam, did you have anything else? Rate, comment, review, that sort of thing. Definitely helps increase our visibility. Uh, five stars or more on a five-star scale. And I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Can beauty come out of Celine! That was amazing! That was the most beautiful performance I've ever seen in my life! Thank you so much. Thank you. No, thank you. We need to do it again. Okay. Why? Well, it's too good. Yeah, this is, this is Deadpool 2, not Titanic. All right, you're at like an 11. We need to get you down to a five, five and a half tops. Just phone it in.